Hello and welcome to Culture Bites. Today we're going to be talking about my first Christmas in the UAE and Mariah Carey is coming to Abu Dhabi. Big hype, big hype. I'm so excited. We are going to be having a little party in the studio celebrating the milestone birthday of a certain Mr. Brad Pitt. (laughs) We're also going to be talking about Dubai bling because... We have to. It's a must. It's We're going to convince you of this. I've not watched it yet, but probably I'm going to by the end. <laughs> this is Culture Bites coming to you from the national news here in Abu Dhabi. I'm Ina Sudafai. And I'm Farah Andrews. So, my first Christmas in the Emirates. Merry Christmas, my friend. Yes! It's, it's not where the countdown has started. It has begun. I don't think the countdown started. I think we were in... We're, we're towards the end of the countdown. Okay, listen, we have to confess something to everybody who's listening to this because Farah has been very much Christmas since... December the 1st? <laughs> December the 1st. Do you hold back for the December? Yeah, okay. I don't do Christmas in November. I don't think that's appropriate. I think it's inappropriate. I've heard that some people start it in the er months. We, yeah, there's... I think there's a, there's a very big campaign for that in the Philippines, which, honestly, I love it. I love the energy. But me, myself, and I and my dog and my boyfriend, <laughs> celebrate it from the 1st of December. Yeah, I, I'm definitely getting into the Christmas spirit this year. Um, it's my it's going to be a very warm Christmas it compared is. to London. Yeah, it's very different temperature. Uh. <laughs> Which is, it will make it different, I think. I, my Christmas outfit is very uh, light this year compared to most years. I mean, elephant in the room, I'm sitting here wearing a Christmas jumper. I'm warm. If You're... you are watching this on YouTube, Farah is sat in the coziest... And I'd say quite chic Christmas jumper. Oh, it's statement. We're red and we're pink. It's bold. What does it say? Candy, candy cane, mistletoe, tinsel time. It's lush. They're my three mantras. (laughs) (laughs) How many times have you worn it this December? Oh, like quite a lot, actually. (laughs) You can see this is a well-loved garm. Um, It's, uh, yeah, it's perfect. It's great. It's cozy. It's comfy. It's pretty. It's warm i'm warm but it's fine so tell me when was your first christmas here in the uae right yes christmas in the uae my family have lived in the middle east since the 90s so my first christmas in dubai would have been 1997 um when i was eight yes and like that was it was just it was christmas right there's like as a Mm. child we didn't really have the concept of what christmas is and isn't because Mm. that's for it just is where with where wherever you are yeah yeah but we have really nice like memories of christmas like we would go out into the desert there's photos of me and my brother wearing father christmas hats on camels we've got pictures of us in the wafi mall which is still there which I is love the this. um mall that's in the shape of pyramids in dubai they used to go very very big for christmas and they did like fake snow and there was like the biggest Christmas scene. And we've got all these photos of like my brother and I having an absolute blast. So did you ever travel back or would your family just stay here? Because the weather is great. Like yeah. I do not want to leave the country right this now. This is the best time of year to be here. Um, I think we mostly stayed here for Christmas. I remember having a lot of Christmases here in our house here. So mm. we would have mainly been here. I remember rollerblading around our, like by our villa one year. Oh, yeah. I got that Christmas tradition. Yeah, ye oldy rollerblades. You got them in your stocking, right? <laughs> I don't think anyone wants to see that. <laughs> um, yes, that was, and being able to um, spend as much time outside as we can at this time of year is so nice. Like mm. Christmas Eve, 
garden party. Yeah. It's lovely. So I've actually got my mother is joining us for Christmas from the UK. Yes. So she's decided to come and partake in my UAE Christmas. Yeah. I think it's the weather. It's been a big draw. That's bringing her over. Yeah. She's quite excited about just get, escaping the London drizzle mm-hmm. and coming to the UAE dazzle. That was good. That was great, actually. Is, is it good when you congratulate yourself on it, though? Probably I mean, not. I was about to congratulate you, so you just jumped in too fast, but I loved it. Um, when, so we all have like this like big white Christmas dream, mm-hmm. but you and I have both lived in, I mean, in this region and in London. Mm-hmm. I don't recall a single white Christmas in London no, in my lifetime. No, it doesn't happen. I mean, my youngest is keep saying, that, like, oh, in London it snows. No, it doesn't snow on Christmas, Ada. It doesn't. Um, it never has. I do you for a string of disappointments on the yeah. white Christmas front. Unless you go, kind of go really, really north, or maybe there's parts of America. But I, I just think sure it's a places, fantasy. It's there a are fantasy. places where it's snowing. Like, we, <laughs> we aren't snow deniers. <laughs> but there is not snow in the UK. I learned something interesting yesterday about the old white Christmas fantasy. Talk to me. It comes from Charles Dickens. Ah! Oh. Because the year that he wrote A Christmas Carol was very, very snowy. And it was a flash in the pan. It was a snow in the London. It was a moment in time. It is not a sustainable dream. It's Dickensian. We have to let it go. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's obviously for people who are from London. But if you are from the Middle East, so I had a few Christmases in the Middle East. I lived in Jordan. Yeah. um, And they were lovely. Um, They were quite warm. I lived in the south of Jordan, so it was still quite warm. And... uh, Baba Noel came to the school. I went to a Catholic school and Baba Noel would come to the Catholic school and like ring his bell. Who's considerably skinnier. I think it was the janitor. <laughs> hey. So, um, no. It was, Chris- it was Father Christmas. Yeah, it was Father Christmas. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> no. Anyone from the Rosary Sisters school listening, it was Father Christmas. It was Father Christmas. Um, but yeah, it was really lovely. I think that's it. It's like, um, the tradition does come from the Middle East, right? Yeah, that's exactly. That's the thing. So from... like, we have like this iconography now that's like snowmen and snowballs and penguins have become a thing about Christmas. Cute snow, but it's not Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> Christmas is from Bethlehem. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and we were also um, reading about and writing about this week about St. Nicholas himself. Ooh. Who is Father Christmas. And he was born in Turkey. See? Yeah. See? Middle Eastern. Middle like Eastern. me? No. Well, is, is Turkey Middle East? It is, isn't it? A bit. Yeah. Yeah. We can, I, I'm going to own it. Geopolitics. That's mm. another podcast that we do. Yeah, we can talk about Ataturk. Yes. Um, no, so we got, um, so he was born in Turkey and he was a patron saint of children. He was known for his generosity and he would give gifts. That's kind of oh. how it's become. I'm not going to do a full history lesson. And then modern day Father Christmas, who we now identify as that man in the red suit. Was that Coca-Cola? I was going to say, do you know where it came from? And ah. you would say... No, I don't. Tell me. Enlighten me. No, say Coca-Cola. Coca-Cola. I'd say, ah, ah, wrong. <gasps> oh! <laughs> so that bit worked. Um, <laughs> no, it was a drawing in um, early 20th century in a magazine called Harper's Weekly, which I didn't have enough time to go and check if that actually did become like Harper's Bazaar, but let's maybe say maybe. there's a link. Um, and so, yeah, it was a drawing in Harper's Weekly of him in like the red suit with the white fur trimming. And that's... And that's from a Dutch tra- tradition on St. Nicholas's Day. So it all kind of ties in together. Oh. Well, I think that's it, right? I think th- that Christmas is celebrated in lots and lots of different ways. Yeah, exactly. And 
crosses a lot of different countries and people have brought in different traditions one being the christmas tree the christmas tree so the christmas tree obviously isn't a tradition from bethlehem no i don't think there aren't big fir trees in no um there's big cedars in for Lebanon. sure but yeah. not big no but um, norwegian furs not norwegian furs <laughs> but that's a german tradition yeah um which was brought was popularized by um victorian albert who came and brought in an a, english german couple an english german couple strong love them um but yeah they they brought in a christmas tree which was a kind of way of keeping your house smelling nice and it just feeling a bit cozy when you're locked up for long winters in the dark and i do well, I mean, I do feel cold and in the dark right now, but I am feeling pretty cozy beside my Christmas mm. tree. You and I have both got our Christmas trees up. Yes, I have a real one as well. And they don't. Yeah, it's lovely. And I yours? almost bought a fake one. We had a discussion over what was better for the environment: a fake one or a real one, because you've got like to think about the carbon. You see, I think probably. Oh, I don't know if you like my answer. It's not plastic, is what the answer is. I think that a real one, because technically, we had this discussion. It was a really long discussion. Okay. Right? You're planting a tree. That's good. You're planting lots of trees. That's good. And then when you're finished with the tree, you can recycle it. Right. So this is the key. You did say this yesterday. We can recycle our trees here in the UAE. Yes. Move, like wood chip, I'm assuming. Yes. So you can recycle your Christmas trees. Um, there's lots of supermarkets. I'm not okay. going to name any that will help you recycle them. So you take them back there and they will help you recycle your tree. And they actually churn them up, make them into fertilizer in the UAE. Okay. And it's used um, to, you know, in, in the, for the soil. Okay. That's better. One of my neighbors, when I see, I don't mm -hmm. want to shame anyone, but they do still have a Christmas tree outside their front garden from last year. Ooh, that's not pleasant. They should take that to be recycled. They should take that to be recycled. Or the other thing is you can do it at home. You can chop it up, burn it. Right. Yeah. Another thing that, I cannot not talk about Christmas movies. I care about them so much. Yes, I care about them go. so much. No, don't, don't, don't. It's okay. I'm going to try and convince you of Dubai Bling later. Okay, So exactly. you can convince me of Christmas movies. So um, I mentioned it last week. I've been watching quite a few. Have you watched any yet? Yes. Which ones have you watched? Uh, Chicken Run doesn't count, does it? No. <laughs> She's watched Chicken Run. Uh, is there a bit where it's like a bit snowy in Chicken Run? No. Right. Then no. <laughs> um, we watched uh, fa um, Father Christmas. No, Blooming Christmas. What's that? Oh, that's not a movie. <laughs> I'm going to employ that HR technique where you just don't say anything and you let them just carry on going. <laughs> oh my God, your, your, your eyes are hurting. Okay, it's fine. You don't okay. have to watch Christmas films. Don't, don't, don't put pressure on yourself. Where you, okay. you, there's a lot of things to be doing. I could have said Die Hard, right? Some yeah. people say Die Hard. Yeah, that's there is the debate: is that a Christmas film or is it a film set at Christmas? It's the Ooh. latter. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> What's that one with Cameron Diaz? I don't mind that the one. The holiday. What a the holiday. It. That's on my list. Okay, Wonderful. go on then. Okay, we have a list. Good and the bad. Right. Here's the thing: Christmas films are, I do think, meant to be inherently bad. Okay. They are. There is. I'm not striving for quality. I'm striving for something that basically feels like it's been AI generated and <laughs> it's basically against everything that actors and writers have spent the year working for and campaigning for and doing incredibly well. I want them to focus on that for every film for 11 months of the year. 
one month of the year, I want them to throw the rule book out the window. I want them to go to ChatGPT and say, <laughs> write me a cheesy Christmas film. And I want it to be City Girl leaves, high pressure job, goes back to the small town, finds man, very handsome, wearing flannel. And she's like, where did you come from? And oh, he says, do you not remember me? The bookshop. Oh. <laughs> There's always a bookshop. There's always a bookshop. She says, no, I work for a big, bad publisher. And basically also describing, you've got, mm, is it you've got mail or? Just all of them. Yeah. Um, She's always high power. She's on her phone. She's always on her phone. Yeah. She always has a lovely haircut. She's got like a slick bob. Mm. By the end of the film, there's Mm. a wave. Mm. She's relaxed. (laughs) She doesn't know. By the end of the film, she's bought, she too has bought flannel. Yeah. Oh, which is, oh. you know, the character arc has evolved when she's out of that stuffy suit that's holding her back from happiness and she relaxes and she puts on a Christmas jumper. She gets out of the air wrap, she puts a wave in her hair and she sits back and she says, yes, I will have a hot chocolate, oh, not a black coffee. <laughs> <laughs> a cup of joe. <laughs> I'll, I'll embrace the season with marshmallows. Lovely. Oh wow! And then she just quits her job. Yeah, she moves to this to the middle shop. of nowhere to the bookshop, book bookshop, shop, bookshop. and has a dog. Listen, I've written the film, so everyone goes okay. like, commission it, do it, go, boom. Oh, um, that genre phenomenal. I literally watched one. It's basically that. Here's what it is: film blo- no travel blogger from the big city. This is a real film. I'm what not- is this film called? B and B Mary. And where is this? Netflix. Is it available to watch now? Yes, it is. <laughs> Am I working for Netflix? No. But would I? Yes. Um, <laughs> in their Christmas film commissioning department. <laughs> Dream job alert there. I mean, I thought we'd peaked at Taylor Swift correspondent and now you've got this. Oh, yeah, they gave that to a guy who did seem quite qualified. Um, <laughs> B&B Mary. This is her job. Okay. She's a travel blogger. She is going to go and review a big corporate hotel and then she thinks, then a little family run B&B invite her and she's like, oh. Fine, I'll go do both. As somebody who works with a travel department, it's kind of how <laughs> she goes to two hotels. Obviously, she gets to the tiny hotel. There's a man there who is outrageously handsome. Who is wearing flannel. Yeah. Um, Does he, he take any notice of her? He, just, is, are they angry at each other? There's like, is there? Oh, some there's sort a tension. Of, there's a tension. Oh yeah, yeah. Has Always. he kicked her entire room out in plaid? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's tartan everywhere. Oh god. And he's got like his mum and his aunt keep making her cookies. The whole thing is chaotic. Yeah. It's, it's cliche after cliche. It is magical. And these, and these oh, also are very she ha- unknown actors. Oh, and there's not a single name in the film. Yeah. Um, her boyfriend, big mean corporate man, refuses to come and spend a nice weekend in a B&B with her. And they act like it's a, that's a breakupable offence. I would be like, cheers, I'll have a nice weekend. <laughs> <laughs> I'm happy. Me um, and myself the night. It's great. Okay. I mean, yeah, everyone watch it. When you it. say great, I'm just, I'm, I'm peppering that statement with Farah. Mm, she's wrong. She should just <laughs> hear great. There's also a Castle for Christmas. Have you heard of that one? That one no. has got a famous person in. Brooke Shields. Oh. She's an author in New York. Big Bag City. <laughs> it's awful. The pressure is terrible. She gets invited to Scotland. Oh, she gets invited to somewhere remote. Scotland. This okay. is a Scottish castle. She goes through Edinburgh Airport. The whole thing's chaotic. So she it's meets- not plaid, it's tartan. It's actual tartan now this time. But she probably still calls it plaid. Um, she meets the monarch of the Glen. <laughs> He's a man in a castle. They obviously hate each other. <laughs> he is an English actor who does the worst Scottish accent for the full 90 minutes. You just have to abide it. 
obviously, okay. yeah, they fall in love. She moves to the castle. The end. She does not write any more books for her big meme, but publishing people. Everything That's is about running away and going <laughs> to the country. It's everything about these women just leaving their jobs behind that they've worked really hard for. I have seen quite a lot of funny memes. Like if you watch them in reverse, it's like sad country girl finally like gets success when she moves to the city <laughs> and gets a job she likes. Like actually, that's great. Uh, okay. <laughs> she starts drinking less hot chocolate, more black coffee. Mm. I love black coffee. So do I. So maybe I'm not in the eggnog world yet. Oh. No, we're not. We're not eggnoggers. We're still the villains. This this is probably going to get cut, but I'm going to just chat for a moment. Um, my 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 boyfriend's from the US, and we went back to like his hometown recently. It was very autumnal. I think I've spoken about it on the pod already. And when we were there, he was wearing flannel, and I was like, in the Christmas film, <laughs> God, in the I'm, Christmas film of our lives, I'm the villain. I'm the black coffee drinking journalist <laughs> that's holding you back in the bad city. Oh, you no. just want to go there and be happy in flannel in a small town with a girl that probably runs a bookshop. I was the villain in our Christmas film. You've got a dog. You're like you're like homely. You're the country. Yeah, sure. We have a dog. Frida's not the villain in any film, but no, she's, she's the hero in everything. But okay. and then there are obviously good Christmas films. I'll give some a mention because they should be mentioned. I, wait, <laughs> you keep saying this word "good" and "great." I just don't feel like okay. I should. I'll be honest. Those the three that I just mentioned are in my section of bad Christmas films, but they're okay. so bad that they're good. Good, right? Actually, good Christmas films. Love Actually is a, is a given. Yeah, Love Actually slightly is slightly problematic. It's aged a bit, but there are elements of it that are great. Also, quite chaotic because. The Christmas Lobster. Kira I love Knightley it. is hilarious in that film. Oh, that Do whole storyline. <laughs> I can't. I can't help but say that. It's all me. <laughs> <laughs> um, the, the Holiday. We've spoken about that. Yeah. I love it. That's a great film. Although I do feel like Kate and Jack aren't a great match. They were an afterthought in the writing process. Yeah. Because it's all about Jude and Cameron. It's Jude and Cameron and it's Kate and the scriptwriter. Theirs is the real romantic arc. Mm. Uh, Miracle on 34th Street. Original and the new one. Lovely. Just feel about Father Christmas. Meeting Father Christmas. Beautiful. Okay. Bit corporate, but we move. Everything is. Elf. Elf is a good. Modern classic, I'll give it that. Yeah. That's the label I'm giving that. Yeah. Muppets Christmas Carol. Dickensian. Also a Christmas. It's, it's wonderful. Scrooge is the only human in it and it's great. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone else is paid by a Muppet. Exactly. Which what? is what Christmas is. Ah, uh, yes, true. Deck the Halls. What's that? That's a that's a good old film about just a street waging war with Christmas decorations and outdoing oh. each other. I think I've given that a good synopsis. Would you say I have? Thanks. <laughs> and Christmas Vacation. This is one I've been introduced to later on in life, but it's a, a ye olde one. By ye olde, I mean like the 80s. Um, it, it has famous people in it that I'm forgetting the names of. But that's one to watch. It's actually, so it's about, it's just, that's a comedy of errors. Uh, I quite like those. I like comedies of errors. We haven't spoken about Home Alone. Home Alone, one, two, and not three, because no. No. Okay. Home Home Alone is great. Yeah, I, yeah. I'm going to try. And maybe I'll try and rewatch that this season. Okay, we need to move on from this because I've been talking for about 25 minutes and I am really warm. (laughs) (laughs) So from Christmas movies, we're going to be talking about what to look forward to. Well, we obviously oh, I've, we... I've got a seg. From Christmas movies to Christmas angels. Hey, 
Christmas is Mariah Carey to me. It's her time. It's her time. And she's owned it for so long. With one song, we're not going to sing it. Do you want me to? No, no. <laughs> I mean, I do. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> but um, Mariah Carey... So we, I know we usually leave what's going on around town to our man about town. But Mariah Carey is Christmassy and she's one of my all-time faves. So I've got tickets. I'm excited. I want her to sing all of the early I 2000s. Everything. I don't want anything really on that set list past 2001. No. We want classics. Mm, there was something. I want Heartbreaker. I'm basically going for Heartbreaker. Wasn't that after 2001? That I was would, a great I video. Thought not, but so I, actually, I don't know. I rewatched. Um, Maybe two thousand and five. I'll give her until two thousand and five. Okay. She. I rewatched some of those videos, and I think when I was young, I just didn't appreciate how brilliant yeah. she, she. She has. She, you know, but sometimes you watch these videos and you're like, "What? This this looks terrible. It's awful." But actually, she doesn't. She looks great, and the fashion's come back. The fashion has come. Oh, back. very much so. It's very. She's in Vogue. Yeah. Um. I. So you have tickets. She's coming here in in January, January the sixth, I believe. Yes. Which very is soon. Mighty soon. She's performing on Saudi Island in Abu Dhabi on the same night. Uh, same run. Andrea Bocelli is also playing. I've seen Andrea Bocelli a couple of times. Have you seen him? No. Very good though. Very impactful performer. Ah. I do believe he's played at a number of Kardashian weddings, and it became a bit of a feud between the sisters. So if he's the kind of person you're getting at a Kardashian wedding. It's top tier. <laughs> it's very top tier. Oh, I wonder if he performs at other weddings here. Probably does. Of course he does. <gasps> oh, he comes here quite frequently, actually. But so does Mariah. Ah, I didn't know this. So last year she performed in Al Ulla um, last October at a kind of like private perform private performance for the Were opening of a hotel. I, oh my goodness! It was yes, I was invited. <gasps> I didn't go. What? No, I, I. It was a very last minute invite. I didn't go. It was. You was being taken over on a private jet to Al Ula and watching oh her. Oh my god! Stop. Yeah, I couldn't go. See, these are the perks of so your job. So one of my colleagues mine. went and watched Mariah. It was she wasn't allowed. You weren't allowed to film any of it and record it. It was all like locked down. But um, by she all accounts, Mariah was there. She also performed in Dubai in 2019 for a one year to go until Expo concert, which obviously no one knew what was going to happen in 2020. So we were celebrating one year to go until Expo in, 20, in 2019. Um, and she performed in Burj Park. And there's lots of lovely photographs of her outside the Burj Khalifa with her children. Now, I feel like Mariah and the UAE in general is like such a good match. Yeah, match made in heaven. Yeah. I feel like, I mean, Mariah is definitely one of my alter egos. I'd love to be like She's her. wildly extra. And I think What a glamorous is. woman. Glamorous woman. Extra attitude. It's all perfect. It's brilliant. And you're going out. So I'm, yeah, I'm going and I hope she comes back again already. <laughs> would, you like to, would you like to attend a birthday party with me? Ooh, whose birthday? It is a little known actor called Brad Pitt. Ah, that was good. He gets audience. Are you know. <sighs> Well. Play along, play along at home. I'm going to play along. Guess how, how old Brad Pitt is? Brad Pitt. I genuinely would have said like 48 max. Yeah, I was. I, I said maybe 52. Yeah. If I was really thinking about it, like I know how old I am. He's been famous my entire life. I, mm. could, be, I could engage some maths, but I would not have said he is 60. 
the man turns 60 this week on Monday, the 18th of December. <gasps> He's the same age as my mum. Is your mum 60? Yeah. Happy after two mum. Yeah. Big year this year for both her and Brad. <laughs> um, Brad is 60. Wow. I, 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 cannot, I cannot get my head around it. But then I was thinking about it, kind of like what I just said. He has been the definition of like Hollywood actor, Hollywood heartthrob my entire life. Mm. And he's still there, I think. Oh, for sure. Yeah, he hasn't really, like, I, I think he hasn't really passed that crown on. Chris Hemsworth? No, he's not got the same gravitas. There's something, I don't know, that I guess there's maybe more. There's more celebrities now, aren't there? So he's Hollywood royalty. Um, he celebrated his birthday this week. Yes. 60. 60. What is going on with him? At the moment, he is taking a break from filming an F1 theme movie that he is. So he's in the pits. Wrap it in the pits. <gasps> also, Abu Dhabi. That's the headline. Someone take it. They probably read it already. Whatever. Damn. <laughs> <laughs> That's why they pay her the big bucks. That's why they, they pay me. <laughs> they pay me regularly and on time. Um, the Yeah, he celebrated his birthday with his new girlfriend who's called Ines de Ramon. <gasps> That's a sign. We have a very similar name. Oh, yes. It's like the Spanish version of my name, Ines. I love the name Ines. 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 Ines de, de Ramon. What is your favorite Brad Pitt movie? So I started re-watching Fight Club last week. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think that's kind of like, oh, such a basic answer, isn't it? I, I suppose Thelma and Louise would be even more of a basic answer. And mine, Benjamin Button, even more basic. Oh, We're a trio oh. of basics. Uh, Meet Joe Black was good. Yeah, less basic. Less basic. But yeah, I complex. was complex. Like, <laughs> I would argue that Fight Club is complex. But once you know what happens in Fight Club, when you're watching it, you're just like, this is just weird. I remember the first time my mind was blown, like, what? Yeah, I, I've, I think I've seen it twice. So I'd have had one, one watch through, been like, hmm, one watch through. Yeah, yeah. So I started rewatching it again. It is really good. And it's a really solid performance from Edward Norton and Brad Pitt. So I don't know how that ended our last conversation because um, we've cut and I've brought in backup. Right. Okay. Because I'm about to be ganged up on. Yeah, I think some things need to be discussed. Okay. Hey, listen, this is this is not a, a gang up. This is a mediation. You're so we nice. We need to sit oh. you down. I'm way and more violent to you. Is it mediation? Or is it, it sounds like an intervention. <laughs> intervention. <laughs> the truth of the matter, which is that, which is that Dubai bling is something to remark on, therefore remarkable. Yeah, it is. It is a a pertinent part of today's pop culture landscape that must be commented on. Wow, they've both yeah. come in with sound bites. Were they rehearsed? <laughs> Did you rehearse that like you think Taylor Swift All rehearsed week. her entire interview? <laughs> All week. So you love it. You're not sure. But I watched series one and I'll, there's a time and a place, 100%. I'm not anti at, at mm-hmm. all. I, I don't want, I just can't, I'm not having my, this is not the face of anti Dubai bling. Okay. I think a lot of people are though. And I think it is, it's okay. I don't agree though. It is inherently terrible right yeah but that's why it's brilliant I mean, uh, we've just spoken about it, my passion it, it, for good things being bad so it depends on your definition of terrible like reality tv as a genre is could be classified as terrible now within that genre dubai bling is it the most terrible probably not is it doing more harm than good no is it doing more good than harm i think i so. think so does it not perpetuate some stereotypes that i don't think are actually Really, like they, there's like yeah. nothing about that is 
realistic and emblematic of life here. I think I think Farah's got a good point. I think that there's definitely a lot of stereotypes that go through Dubai Bling, which people who have a vision of the UAE sometimes think that that is what life is like. But I would argue that it's opening up um, Arabs and the Middle East to uh, a demographic. Okay. And I would argue that I think all reality TV shows of that nature play up stereotypes. Mm. Like so, The Real Housewives or I remember when we, we had these conversations when Real Housewives of Dubai came out mm. because people got very angry about the idea that this was going to be the show and that wasn't representative of Housewives in Dubai. But I also remember thinking, none of us are watching that as like a documentary about the life of a housewife. Exactly. exactly. Yeah. Exactly. That is not a docu- Like Real Housewives of Atlanta is not just like an inside the homes of Atlanta. No. It's, it's like Towie. The only way is Essex. Yeah. I wouldn't say I have many friends from Essex. None of them like Towie. In it. But I do think that that, that show has it's the, exactly this. That show has like created this world where everyone thinks that's what Essex actually is like. Mm. Okay. I get that. But, but the I fashion. Think... The fashion in Dubai Bling is hilarious. Okay. I have seen a woman wearing a Rolex as a hairband. <laughs> yes. yes. I, I might have put that on my Donna, Instagram. I think that's her name. I think as well, like the 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 people on the characters cast characters on there are doing it on purpose in a way. I'm not trying to make them sound like super smart or you know something, but they're sort of playing up these stereotypes. So there's yeah, there's like strategy and there's like yes. they're, they're amping things. Up. Yes, they know that this is going to create like a, a buzz and people are going to be talking about it. Like to me, what I find fascinating on the show is two things. First of all, I think season one was much better than season two. I'll say that. Mm-hmm. I think season two. The the stereotypes are more fla- the storylines are more flattened. There isn't that much depth. Like in season one, I was very surprised by the topics they were discussing, like everything to do with like infidelity, you know, infertil- infertility, yes, infertility, infidelity, um, topics around what it means to be Arab, and the mm. fact that they were speaking a mixture of Arabic and English and Arabic in different dialects. I've never seen that on TV before. Yeah. I found that really interesting. It's definitely groundbreaking in that sense. Like friends of mine who are in the UK are watching Dubai Bling and they're actually interacting with Arabs, maybe sometimes for the first time other than myself in their lives. And oh. I think that's kind of a bit groundbreaking because yeah. they've never heard Arabic on TV. But those, so yeah, it's groundbreaking, but also are these, are these the representative? They aren't, <laughs> but I think it's the first step in like maybe the next reality show or the next documentary is going to exist True. because mm. this they're like oh there's an interest it's kind of like I compare it to the Crazy Rich Asians novel yes. and the movie people were like never no one ever thought like a movie about Asian Americans is going to make a lot of money right but then the, the the novel by Kevin Kwan did amazing the film was like a big blockbuster and I, the, both up, the novel and the film are yeah, yeah they're great they're huge they're, brilliant. his new novel is coming out um, I think this next early next year but yeah, so I think that opened up the idea that, oh, like people are interested in stories about uh, Asian Americans in Asia. So I'm hoping that this is kind of a first step mm-hmm. towards that. like Towards just like normalizing Arabs as like, you know, international. We like fashion. We like, yeah. you know, fun stuff. But I, I do think that this season could have been much better. I think like there wasn't that much depth to the storylines. We weren't learning much about their actual lives or actual struggles. Mm-hmm. I feel like maybe there was a bit of they were really surprised by how successful the show was and they were really taken aback by people online commenting about their lives and about their choices on the show. So I felt like everyone sort of took a step back and just wanted to put their businesses first. So I kind of was like, no, I want to see more about your family dynamics, about the struggles you're Mm. going through, more than about like 
just the fashion and just the funny one-liners or their businesses. Like, that's interesting. But to me, a reality show is also about, you know, people's actual yes, lives. I think, yeah, going back to your point about, like, is this the best representation? I think there were a couple of arguments in this season that just seem to focus on, like, is your car rented? Yeah. <laughs> Why is your Birkin bag in a dust bag? Is it rented or that's is it the real? Me- that's like the meme I've seen everywhere. The Birkin in a dust bag. Yeah. yeah. And it, it, that is quite sad. That is quite tragic. I, I hope that's not what people take away from the Middle East. No. I have a couple of questions. One, I've seen a lot of fight footage. Are there a lot of physical fights in this show? Uh, no. In the, in the first season, there was one, like, close physical fight with a coffee cup being thrown about. In the second season, there's a more of like, would you say bro, would you say bro, stuff happening. <laughs> <laughs> but that, it kind of just ends with that. Like, like oh, what you say bro fights. They never really end up with a physical fight. No one says anything. <laughs> no one says just what you say bro. No one's saying a thing. <laughs> and two, Monica Tan's in it now. Monica Tan. Yes. Yes, she is. She's Huge. the new addition. I, I enjoyed her as a character on there because she is a very, like, Switzerland that's the right analogy. Yeah. Uh, kind of character. And but also she was the only one that actually showed us her life. Like she's newly married. Mm-hmm. We met her husband. She talked about the fact that she's a bit trepidatious about potentially becoming a mother. She's not sure if she wants to get into motherhood. She talked about her new business. She brought in her father, who's Iraqi, and talked about how her father sold his home to support her and Huda's business. Uh-huh. Like these little details about people's mm. lives, I find really, really interesting. I've met and interviewed her quite a few times, and she oh. is the yeah. loveliest woman. She is. You can tell. You can tell from yeah, the show. Yeah, you can tell. And like her love for her dad is really like was yes. so beautiful. I think I, I agree with you. I think this season fell a bit flat. Like I felt like I didn't really get to know anyone. But standout character, Suffer. 100%. Yeah, she is she's my favorite. So I'm sure you've seen memes of her around. She's like super over the top. Her, her, her fashion, her personality, her sense of humor. She relaxes in the hair. No. no, she is like um, glitter on the eye eyelashes or um, what is this okay. called? Eyelids, big things happening here, colorful. She wears a full camouflage. Is that Balenciaga suit? Yes, I think so. With the lion, yeah. animal print. Watch it just for that. Okay. You know how there's that phrase by Chanel that's like, before you leave the house, take one thing off. Yeah. Her thing is, before you leave the house, put a million things on. Like, <laughs> that, is her, that is her phrase. Okay, right. You've convinced me. I will yes. watch it. High five. I'm going to watch it in the new year because I've got a lot of things to be watching, as we know. I've got a list. Christmas movies. And yeah, but I will watch it. I will watch it. I will watch Amazing. It. And report back. So now let's go back to what man usually comes in here. Resume normal scheduling. Yeah, we're going back to normal scheduling. What's it about town? So I'm, I'm here to elevate the conversation from Dubai Blaine. Is that what we're saying? Yes, yeah. please. Yes, okay. Make us all feel smarter. Again. <laughs> <laughs> so there's some pretty cool things happening that I got to see. So the first one that I think people should go to is, I'm not sure if, have you been to Sharjah yet? Uh, no. No. There is something. Whoa, really? Oh. It they, is an experience. It's, a, it's far it's a, from Abu Dhabi. It is far from Abu Dhabi. But if you're, you know, I, I think it's definitely worth the trip. Weekend okay. of art, for yes. sure. Probably okay. a school trip. Not a school trip. There is a Sharjah Art Foundation, which just going there, doesn't really matter what show is on. It's such a beautiful place. They mm-hmm. have a mixture of like modern architecture and old sort of Arab Bedouin architecture. But currently... They have a really great show, and I'm going to read this out loud. It is called Plated Time slash Deepwater, and it's by two artists, Lubaina Hamid and Magda Storwoski, at Storwoska, sorry. And they were commissioned by the Sharjah Art Foundation. So Lubaina, she is the first um, black British artist to win the Turner Prize in 2017. Big. So she's, she's huge. She's a really well-known artist. And she was commissioned along with uh, Magda, who's from Poland, 
to create works about Sharjah and their experience of Sharjah. So they um, spent time in the city. Uh, they went on the port. They went um, in the market area and they observed the architecture. They listened to sort of uh, the sounds of the city and they created artwork separately and together in the exhibition. And what's really cool is throughout the three gallery spaces that they have their work, you see their own separate work and then you see some works that are combined. And there's text um, around the gallery that talks about their experience of being in the city. My favorite work is um, a combination of um, a work they worked on together, which has uh, Lubaina's paintings. And then uh, Magda, who is a sound artist, has these speakers that, that have been placed around the space that if you stand in the center, you hear parts of the city's sounds wow. mixed with Arabic poetry that she was really interested in. And you're looking at the paintings at the same time. So you're kind of getting this idea of Sharjah through their different perspectives combined in an art space in Sharjah. Lovely. Yeah. So, oh, and another really cool thing is um, they have these massive um, Japanese paper scrolls with amazing prints on it that on it is projected images of the Sharjah, different images of Sharjah on it. So it's really cool multimedia, multi-sensory exhibition. Uh, and it's fun for not just people who are really into art, but people who are sort of interested to go to Sharjah Foundation and also people who have children and teenagers. Mm -hmm. Like it's a really great way to experience the city through art. Yeah. I love that. I've Convinced? Got to add. Yeah. Sold. Let's go. Let's go. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. You actually, you definitely should go to Sharjah for a um, creative and arty day out. I have, I went to Sharjah in 2001. Oh. It's a very different city to compare to Dubai and Abu Dhabi, like how it looks, mm. um, how it sounds, the different restaurants, the different cafes. Like I, I really like Sharjah. Mm, a lot of people say that to me. A lot of my like, Cool friends. Cool friends. Yeah. They say that they really like Sharjah. Yeah. yeah. Okay. What else is going on? Um, what else is going on? Well, speaking of Sharjah, actually, uh, the big bad wolf mm -hmm. sale is happening. It happens every year, but this is the first time it's happening in Sharjah. So they have tons, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of books. And what's really cool is that usually when you go into a bookshop, you either get books that are new releases or you get you find like the classics, like yeah. Jane Austen's Charles Dickens. But what I've always found from the Big Bad Wolf sale is that they have that middle section that I like, which is books that were really popular like 10, 15, 20 years ago mm -hmm. that are sort of hard to find. And they have books across genres and for all ages. So children, adults, like even books like about gardening or about how to build a car or whatever. Mm -hmm. And lots of really great. I found some really great um, Candace Bushnell novels that I couldn't find in any bookstores. So um, it's on until I think the 6th of Jan from 10 a.m. to midnight. Oh, so it's on for it's really, late. It's very late because yeah. they really it's want to. It's a real warehouse sale. It's a really warehouse oh, sale. Brilliant. And it's great for um, last minute Christmas that festive is, gifts. Uh, yeah. This is why my eyes have got wider. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> books like, are, they are so affordable. They're kind of like, they start from like five, 10 dirhams realistically wow. for mm. books. So you can go in with 50 dirhams, you can come out with like a good. Set of books, hundred dirhams. You're coming out. You need to take a duffel bag. Yeah. Ooh. And and you know what? I always say. I feel like I'm always saying this, but like, take your kids. Like, it's mm. a fun thing for kids to go to. Like, they can run off and look at books, and you can run off and look at books, and you can come back together and get books together. The children's books are really. Like, I've bought a lot of um, Christmas presents for friends there in the past because like children's books, you aren't really looking for like a specific like name or mm. genre. And so you can get like really cool like puzzle books and interactive books that are, yeah, extremely affordable. 
oh, that's the kind of thing you mm. go and you can stock up. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. many birthday parties. Yeah. Just stock up. Oh, well, that is great. And you can talk about one more artist. Is that the Oh, truth? yes. Oh, my God. Of course. This is so cool. Okay. So um, if you guys didn't get to make it to the Arabian Days Festival that happened at um, Manar Sayyidat uh, mm-hmm. over the weekend, they had a really great uh, exhibition of an Iraqi artist called Muhammad Shoba. So he is a painter and he paints like um, stylized semi-abstract paintings. But his collection of work, over 20 paintings, focused on a period of Arabic history that not many people are super aware of. And it focuses on this um, real-life figure called Antara ibn Shaddad. So he is from what is now Saudi Arabia. but Back then it was just the Arabian Peninsula. And he is known as a warrior and a poet. Now, he was born uh, to a Saudi um, king and his mother was an Ethiopian slave. So technically he was, he was born a slave because um, he was African Arab. And at the time that was common. Mm. Uh, but he bought his freedom from his father by defeating uh, um, people who were attacking his tribe. Now, that's kind of the beginning of the story. But the main, main part of the story that most people know about is the fact that he was really in love with Abla, who was his cousin. And she, he was not permitted to marry her because he was technically a slave and she was not. And she was like higher status in birth. But he, because he won his freedom, he was offered the chance to win her hand if he performed all of these tasks. And I think one of them was to obtain a camel from some really, really faraway place, but he obtained like a hundred. So there's all of these like really interesting stories about how he went, traveled around Arabia and did all these tasks to win her hand and that they would uh, meet in secret in this rock uh, in Saudi Arabia that, that's still called Hajat Antar, the stone of Antar, which still exists in Saudi Arabia. And it's a tourist spot that you can go see that allegedly mm. they would meet and hang out there. Um, so he ended up winning these challenges and, and winning her hand. And he dedicated two poems about her. Mm. So um, um, Hamad uh, Shabbar, the artist, created these paintings focusing on this love story. Uh, and particularly the poem about that Antar wrote about Abla. And what's very cool about his paintings is that he combines these ideas of pre-Islamic Arabia mm. uh, and the characters and how they're dressed. But then he adds like modern elements. So he'll add like... Abla holding car keys or Abla on a treadmill or holding a Balenciaga bag or, um, <laughs> yeah, it's really That's funny. That's so fun. Yeah, or um, Antar like um, holding a big red teddy bear that is like um, symbolic of Valentine's Day uh, or um, both of them sitting in a cinema eating popcorn. So it's like this interesting combination of um, cultural ref- references that are very modern mixed mm. with our ideas of like pre-Islamic Arabia mm. and also Islamic Arabia with like the, 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 the decor on the border. So he kind of has this visual language that combines all the stuff. And you, it feels like you're watching a really interesting surrealist fantasy or something. Mm. So I really enjoyed his paintings. I wrote, I got to interview him, which was cool. And I wrote a review on the show and we have a lot of photos from the show actually uh, on our website. So I recommend that you guys Google me uh, <laughs> and uh, read the read the story. That's so cool. I remember those that story as a child, mm. and I also studied like <laughs> I studied pre-Islamic uh, Arabic. Oh right. So where did you study that? Uh, <laughs> I believe it's a university in the UK. Yeah, it's a university in the UK. It's a small university. So <laughs> uh, <laughs> I think if I say it one more time, I'm gonna like yeah. Like bingo. Um, yeah, sorry. So you studied some of his work? Yeah. Well, mm. we, we 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 studied as well like the fables, but we did like you know 
El Mutanebi. Oh, right. And yeah, so there was like other things that brought me to. Oh, I feel so nerdy. I'm <laughs> going to stop talking. <laughs> no, it's cool. I like I like his stuff. He's a really interesting character. Yeah, I need to go back and like really. I think what the art of Muhammad Chobar said that's really fascinating that struck a chord with me is that the issues that um, uh, um, Antara bin Shaddad faced are issues that a lot of people face today, which is classism, you know, racism, yeah. mm. trying to sort of prove yourself in, in society, in society's expectations, which I thought was really interesting. A story that happened hundreds of years ago was still relevant today, unfortunately. I like the way that she's brought in her handbag then. He's yes. given, given her a handbag that's very Dubai bling, <laughs> yeah, it's right? Very, it's very Dubai bling. <laughs> Full circle in, moment. It ties in. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and that is it. That's all we have time for today. So thank you so much for listening. And if you've liked this podcast, please follow and subscribe on your favorite podcasting app. And don't forget to tell all your friends.